All right. Um, so first of all, thank you very much for the organizing committee to give me this chance to talk about one of my projects. So today I'm going to be talking about um, ancestral protein sequence to study uh, one of the uh, C4 origins. So C4 uh, is responsible for over 25% of world terrestrial uh, productivity. So that's a huge um, amount of, uh, of uh, gosh, of productivity worldwide. And uh, as one example of plants that perform C4 photosynthesis, we have sorghum and maize as two major crops that we know a lot about. But before I talk about C4, I'm going to talk about the ancestral state, which is C3 photosynthesis. So C3 happens in one cell type, which is the mesophyll cell in the leaves of plants. And we have the carbon fixation happening uh, by Rubisco in the chloroplast. But on C4 photosynthesis, we have two different cell types involved. And we have two steps uh, involved in the carbon fixation process. So we have the first step happening in the mesophyll cell, where carbon dioxide is fixed into oxalacetate. And then in the bundle sheath, the carbon dioxide is fixed by Rubisco, just like the C3 cycle. And uh, that provides C4 plants with advantage compared to C3, because then we have a, a higher concentration of carbon dioxide uh, around Rubisco. And that's good to avoid uh, photorespiration which is basically this process where Rubisco fixes oxygen instead of carbon dioxide. Then undergoing the photorespiratory pathway, the plant does not generate any sugars. So basically that's bad for plants and for yield. We know a lot about C4, but, but there are a few challenges in studying that because, uh, for example, if we knock out genes related to photosynthesis, that's usually lethal for the plant. So if we don't have a plant, then we don't have anything to study. Then basically, um, if we can better understand the C4 cycle, we can work on improving the cycle. And one of the consequences of the improvement of the cycle is just being able to increase plant yield and photosynthetic uh, productivity. But then uh, we have another challenge. C4 photosynthesis has evolved independently several times. And in this phylogenetic tree that I show you, each one of those arrows represent one independent origin of C4, and each one of the red branches represent um, C4 plants. So not only those plants, they evolved several times independently, but they also perform C4 photosynthesis in different ways. Basically, what I want to show you with this fairly complicated figure, but let's just focus on the colors. So there are basically three main um, C4 subtypes that C4 can be performed, and that's based on which enzyme decarboxylates uh, and provides carbon dioxide to Rubisco. So we have here NADME in red, uh, PEPCK in blue, and NAD NADME in green. Then we have uh, this group of plants, which is the tribe Panaceae. This tribe specifically uses all three subtypes. So we have C4 plants that share a, same, um, a common, uh, common ancestor, and each one of them can, do, can perform different subtypes. So with that, we raise the question, what was the ancestral state of C4 plants in the Panaceae tribe, since we have all three subtypes 
that shared the same common ancestor. So to try and explain this, we came up with four different models to explain that. And in model A, the arrow is pointing to a possible C3 common ancestor in the Panisiae. In model B, we have the NADPME C4 subtype as being the ancestral state of the group, and then we have the other two. And on C, we have the NADME and PEPCK subtypes as the ancestral state. And finally, D, we have all three subtypes together in one common ancestor, and then we have the diversification. So to address this question, this, these are basically the methods that we use. We use synteny analysis, a codon-based alignment, and protein sequence evolutionary analysis. And I'm going to walk you through each one of those steps. So as Dr. Schnabel already mentioned, he clearly explained um, synteny, so I'm not going to bore you with that. But basically, we focus on synthetic genes because um, synthetic genes are less likely to change function just by chance. And that's relevant because the genes in the C4 cycle, they're present in C3 plants. It's just that in C3 plants, they have different functions which are not related to photosynthesis at all. So moving on to the alignment, um, this is just a um, simple example where Say we have two species and we have the coding sequences for each one of them. The different colors, they represent the different, nucleo, um, different codons or different uh, amino acids. So we have the uh, coding sequence and then we do a protein alignment based on the coding sequence. And finally, we translate that alignment back to nucleotides and then we obtain our codon-based alignment. With that, uh, then we do a protein sequence uh, evolutionary analysis, and that's using the DNDS ratios, which are the non-synonymous uh, and synonymous substitution ratios. So synonymous substitution is basically a change in nucleotide that doesn't lead to a change in the amino acid being produced. On the other hand, on non-synonymous substitutions, we have a change in nucleotide that does lead to a change in the amino acid obtained. So that's why it's relevant to look at those changes because then we could infer that a protein's change based on how different those amino acid sequences look like. Now that we know a little bit more about the DNDS, um, I'm going to explain a couple of examples of how this evolution could have happened. We have the first example where a C4 branch could be undergoing positive selection and that would cause the DNDS ratio to be above one, so it would be under positive selection and probably be changing function. But we also have the second example where maybe this um, C4 gene has been under positive selection for a period of time, and then we have some purifying selection, which would cause the DNDS value to be under, um, below one. And in that case, um, we would look at the NDS ratios that are um, still greater than the C3 values based on that. So our null hypothesis is that the DNDS ratio is equal across all branches. And then our alternative that we're testing is that the C4 DNDS is actually greater than the C3. And by doing that, we can find genes involved in different subtypes in their ancestor. Now moving on to the results, 
This is the list of genes that we were able to um, find information about the subtypes that they're part of and the fact that they are related to photosynthesis. Now, uh, about the core enzymes. So core enzymes is the enzymes that are present in all subtypes. This is an example of a couple of enzymes. And these two trees, they are basically showing you the blue branches uh, are the branches leading to C3 species. And the red branches, they are branches uh, where the DNDS value is significantly higher than the C3 values altogether. So in this result here, as we can see for both enzymes, the common ancestor branch of all Paniceae uh, is, sig is evolving significantly faster than all C3. So what that means is that possibly we could have a, a C4 common ancestor for the entire group. But when we move on to subtype specific enzymes, which are the enzymes that are used by one subtype or, but not the other, then we look at the common ancestor branch and we don't see the same pattern. So that could possibly mean that um, there's maybe a C3 common ancestor of all those C4 paniceae plants and then we have further diversification. Um, now with this set of results, even though photorespiratory genes, they aren't exactly part of the uh, C4 photosynthetic pathway, we looked at those because we, um, we saw an interesting pattern and they're also, uh, they were retrieved in the, in the analysis as well. So the interesting thing about these genes is that one of them shows a, a faster evolutionary rate in the ancestral branch of the Paniceae. So like the core enzymes, this could suggest that there is a common uh, C4 ancestor for this group of plants. With all of those results, basically, we infer that the ancestral state is C2 photosynthesis. So a C3, C4 intermediate plant basically uses this kind of photosynthesis. And here I show one of the models that we had. And even though we thought of different scenarios, the one that I'm showing you is the, uh, the one that points to a C3 common ancestor. Even though it's not quite it, um, this could be interpreted as a non-C4 common ancestor. So the model is somewhat close to what the results showed. And in this uh, figure with the photosynthetic pathway, it's just showing how the C4 and the C2 cycle, they, can, uh, they are connected to one another. And the red circle uh, is just showing you where the core enzymes that I showed you um, are in this diagram, while the C2 enzymes are in the gray circle. So we can see how those two pathways, they can be connected to one another. Uh, with that, I'm going to summarize all this information and basically um, enzymes part of all three subtypes and subtype specific, they show different evolutionary uh, patterns. The, the core C4 enzymes, they point to a common C4 ancestor, while the subtype specific enzymes, they point to a C3 ancestor and the subtypes evolving independently. So with all of that and the fact that we found 
uh, photorespiratory gene evolving faster in the uh, C4 ancestor, then we infer that the Panaceae C4 plants, they possibly have a C2 common ancestor. With that, I'd like to thank my advisor, Dr. James Schnabel, uh, my committee members, and also the Schnabel Lab um, colleagues and the uh, funding agencies that allowed me to be here and present my work today. With that, I'd take any questions. Thank you. We've got a question down here in the front. We've got a question from online. I guess we'll take that first. Um, so this is from the Zoom viewers. So um, we are living in a high CO2 environment where the balance in oxygen and CO2 is tipped. Therefore, I wonder whether the performance of C3s will get closer to C4 in the future. And how are the C4s going to react to the environment in the future? So let me see if I understood the question. First one said is if um, what if the C3s are ever going to perform as similar to C4? And the second one is, can you repeat the second one? And how are the C4s going to react to the environment in the future? Okay, how are C4s hmm, performing the environment? So um, I know there's like some efforts to try and make C3 plants be as good and perform as good as C4, for example, the C4 rice project's been going on for a while, but uh, hopefully, yes, uh, they would perform like that. And uh, about the C4 plants in the environment, um, so basically being able to improve the C4 cycle, hopefully we can also improve a little bit of the uh, water use efficiency of the plant, so maybe they would be a little bit more drought resistant, hopefully. Um, so the, the multiple uh, independent evolution of uh, C4 photosynthesis, very illustrated there with the monocot tree, mm -hmm. uh, provides the you know, opportunity to look at uh, this occurring in you know, multiple uh, ancestors for each one of those independent clades. Um, so first of all, are, are you planning to look at that? And second of all, um, as opposed to doing an average, uh, you know, just branch-wide DNDS uh, over each protein, you potentially have the, you have the chance to look at uh, site-specific, uh, you know, uh, uh, yeah, varying site models of evolution to see if you have got common residues that are uh, having common um, common changes. Uh, are you looking at that at all? Okay. Um, so first, about the uh, different branches. Um, that would be part of a uh, broader project that I'm kind of working on as well. So, but the research question is slightly different. Like instead of looking at the ancestral state of C4, we're looking at enzymes that are related to the C4 pathway and see if we can find new genes that are related to the pathway to help engineer a, a better C4 cycle and see if there's like genes that perform better in one subtype than the other. So that's one kind of question. The other one, looking at site-specific, um, changes. Um, at some point, I did look at that, like at that possibility, but um, due to timeline things and uh, things like that, I didn't have the time to go deeper 
into the analysis to look at those things. So maybe, in, I don't know, in the future, if someone wants to take on this project, they, look at, they can look at the uh, site-specific changes as well. Yes, I have another one on Zoom. Um, did C4 evolve to cope with increasing oxygen enriching environment of the Earth in the past? So basically, uh, what is out there in the literature, there was a huge drop on carbon dioxide levels uh, around 30 million years ago, and that's usually what people say, that this drop in carbon dioxide uh, concentration in the environment was one of the big uh, things that led to uh, evolution of C4 photosynthesis because there's a better use of carbon dioxide. Yeah. So I actually have a, a quick question, mm -hmm. more anatomy related, but do the, in the case where you have a C3 plant as the ancestral state, do they actually have the right anatomy, like the Kranz anatomy for um, spatial uh, differentiation of the different components of C4 photosynthesis? Um, good question. So basically, I don't know if you could hear the question, but basically it's like how, the, um, how C3 leaves if they have the anatomical changes necessary to evolve C4. Uh, recently, not too long ago, I read a paper from last year that um, says that in this genus of plants, um, actually they, they were able to see that increasing the vein density was enough to kind of have the C4 syndrome happen. So there's this genus specifically that for some reason has uh, C3, C3, C4 intermediates, and C4. So they were able to see all of that. And basically, based on the vein density, it was possible to see that change. So, yeah. Um, all right, do we have any more questions for Daniel? All right, let's give him another round of applause.